0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. All
1: right, as you guys come in, it's so lovely to have you here. Once you say a little hello, please make sure you're muted. Hi, I just Uh, wanted to let you know
2: that I can only see one person at a time. I can't see the whole group.
1: Okay. Um, can you see the slide? Yeah, I can see. Welcome. Okay. It should change when I take the slides down. You should oh, be able I to see. see more people. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, And you can still, if you can find your little, um, the view window, like you, the one person you can see, if you click on that and you look at the top, there should be a straight line, a small square, two squares, and then uh, six squares together. You can try, and you might be able to see maybe four people or something on the side. Yeah, of the it's not like that anymore. Usually I have that, but it's not there. Okay. All right.
3: Are you on a computer or an iPad, Jacqueline? I-
1: iPad. Mm.
3: So, yeah, it might be different. Yeah. yeah, yeah
1: it's, u- it's
2: usually there up in the left-hand corner, always there. In fact, this is the first time it hasn't been there. So
3: right. it might come <laughs> back when the slide goes away.
0: Okay,
4: Okay. great. You know what? I'm on an iPad and I was
2: just able to click the upper left hand corner of the small image. And that opens up the scroll of images across the bottom.
1: Does that make sense,
2: Jacqueline? Yeah, but um, I know what you mean. But yeah, I can see that little bunch, four images at the bottom, but not how I usually can see everybody at the top. Okay. The only thing I have up there now, it says switch camera. Which all right, I well,
1: why don't we go through the slides and then I can take them down and then may- maybe everything will be okay. Let's, yeah, let's, let's give it a good. try. All right. So welcome everyone. So nice to have you all here. Um, so today your teachers are myself, Tanya Weiser, Uri Silberstein, and Liz Powell. And then, you know, the other four teachers we have on the program are Chris Clifford, David Lurie, Bruni DeVille, uh, and Ying Chen. All right. So just the review of the class schedule in case you want to make a note of it for yourself. Um, the bio break at 2.20 and we close at 3.30. And then... Um, you know, just a reminder, we really do want you to take care of yourself doing the class. It's always lovely to see people on the camera, but um, it may not be the best thing for you to do if you spend a lot of time um, on camera. So, But when you're in uh, breakout rooms and when you're asking questions or giving feedback, it would be really nice to have you turn your cameras on if that's possible. Um yeah, and then the chat is off, if um, except for during the break, then it's on to chat everyone. Um, otherwise, during the group, if there's something important, uh, you can chat to Liz, Ori, or myself. Preferably, whoever is speaking, you don't chat them during that time because it's a little distracting. All right. And then there's the email to the Eightfold Path program if you wanted other specific questions answered or anything like that. So, Okay, so I um, just sort of wanted to review where we have been so far. So the first class was on right view, which is essentially a combination of the four noble truths and the conditioned nature of the mind and um I don't have a image for the conditioned nature of the mind. That was a little challenging to find. But, um, but I, you know, one of the things I talked about was sort of the bumper sticker idea of I break for suffering. And I found this beautiful quote from Sylvia Bornstein. She says, sweetheart, you are in pain. Relax. Take a breath. Let's pay attention to what is happening and then we'll figure out what to do, right? Which is another version vibrate for softening. So and the and the four noble truths are listed here. So that was our first path factor. The second one was on right intention, which includes renunciation, harmlessness, and loving kindness. Yeah. And the third was right speech. And this drawing is actually by Sylvia Borstein as well right? This p- pandemic got our six feet apart. Um, I thought that was lovely. And then the, just this nice little graphic for the uh, thought, thoughtfulness of uh, right speech. All right. And then this, this month, we're going to go into right action. And the three kind of uh, key teachings are to abstain from killing, Abstain from wrong sexuality and abstain from taking what is not offered. Yeah. So I thought it was kind of fun to find these images. Nice way to express a lot in a short amount of space. So I'm going to stop sharing now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Stop sharing. There we go. So everybody, go ahead and check and see if you're able to change your view. I am. See everybody. Good. Hi, everyone. Good to see you. One
3: one piece of information about that um, may have been said before, but if you're feeling some Zoom fatigue or you just feel a little overwhelmed, sometimes looking at everybody on the screen, you're taking visual cues unconsciously from, you know, 50 people. And it can be tiring without even realizing it. So feel free to switch to speaker mode or to look away from the screen if you just feel like you're getting, you know, the the overload that sometimes happens. Uh, um, I find I switch a lot more than I used to once I learned about that. So in case that's helpful to you.
1: Thank you, Ori. And then just, um, you know, in a minute or two, Liz will do a guided meditation with us. But I just... I just wanted to take a moment and say, I hope you're all doing okay today. It's been quite, quite a time, quite a week. And, um, wow. Right. Just a lot of, um, terror and fear and violence and sort of unimaginable for me things and happening. Right. And, um, So I just wanted to acknowledge that and I wanted to think about how, how is it we create a feeling of safety, you know, in the world? And that's what this, you know, what we're working on right now is these, the right speech last month and today, right action. We're really going to be exploring sort of the opposite maybe of, um, what we've been experiencing many of us, right? So may our heart be at ease and May we all be safe and may all beings, right? May everyone be protected from this violence, anger, hatred. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know what else to say right now. Maybe, um, maybe it's a good time to go into the meditation. Thank you, Liz.
5: Good afternoon, everyone. It's lovely to be with all of you today. So uh, allowing yourself to settle into a comfortable meditation posture and give, give yourself some kind attention to how you are right now. Allowing yourself to lower your eyes and go inward. And receiving whatever is present in the body. What's here right now? Taking in the breathing. Any feeling that may be present could be pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. Just letting be whatever you notice, however it's feeling. Noticing any attitude or mood that's here sometimes things we've been going through have reverberations in the body and the feelings in the mind and just allowing yourself to be with whatever those reverberations are in the present moment If there's mental activity, notice it. Receiving whatever arises moment to moment. There's no need to suppress or be in conflict or t- with anything that arises or to try to make your experience be better or different. Allowing it all as a guide No matter what you're discovering, it's a step in the direction of freedom. I'll offer some words for reflection. And just letting my words float by or fade into the background if you don't care for words right now. But just noticing whatever bubbles up. No need to think about it or work with it. Just being there as any sensations, feelings, images, or thoughts visit you. the words right action. Non-harming. Not killing. Not harming through sexuality. Not taking what is not given. And receiving whatever bubbles up. behaviors in your life that are helpful or unhelpful, allowing yourself to receive that If some actions (coughs) float into your attention that feel unhelpful or harming in any way, just noticing it. Awareness may show you feelings that have arisen from wanting something. Maybe being attached to something. Letting yourself know know those. Or there may have been behaviors lately that have arisen that carry some aversion or hatred, strong feelings, fear. Just let it come to awareness without adding anything to it or resisting it. There may be behaviors or actions of yours that are confusing to you or you don't fully understand. Let that be. Just noticing the confusion. There may be awareness of where you've acted with some restraint. Or generosity. from kindness, compassion, respect for others and for yourself. where you're paying careful attention to yourself and others not harming anyone Practicing safety internally and externally. Trustworthiness. Aware of ease in the mind. a clear conscience, a clear mind. Appreciation for life, for safety and well-being for all beings. For the rest of our time. Receiving awareness in whatever form is most conducive to your well-being right now.
3: Thank you for that guiding Liz, it felt nice to sit together. I'm happy to be here with each and every one of you, I'm just glad we're all here. Those I know, those I don't know, it just feels nice to look out and see faces of people who have come together to practice and learn, so thank you for that. So um, I'll talk a little bit about Right Action. Um, it's can be summarized as the principle of non-harming. That's sort of at the co- and. Um, I've often heard others say that non-harming is at the core of Buddhism. So in many ways, uh, this path factor is at the heart of, of Buddhism. Um, this morning at Gil Fronsdale's talk, he happened to mention, um, which I thought was kind of cool. these he, he mentioned practice, and then he said, "So what is practice?" And he offered these three components of practice. He said, "Because uh, we often talk about practice, but he actually gave a definition. One is not harming others, or if you prefer, we could you could call it kindness towards others. It just depends on what words you like." Uh, the classic texts talk about non-harming, non-harming others, non-harming ourselves,
6: right?
3: which includes um, the preoccupation with ourselves, the comparing and the judging, and the, uh, the the yeah the preoccupation with ourselves that can cause harm. Uh, and that's part of practice, not harming ourselves. And then the third part was using our attention to be in the present. With a higher quality way than we usually do. You can call that mindfulness or awareness. And then the seeing uh, uh, that happens then, we see these places that sting um, and the seeing allows us to find a way beyond that. So what's interesting is that the um, seeing feeds the non-harming to others and to ourselves. And I actually think the non-harming of others and of ourselves fuels the seeing. You know, uh, if I went around practicing meanness all the time, and then I went to sit down, my mind would not be very settled, my heart would not be very settled. So it really does um, uh, feed that way. And then the more I see, by sitting still and letting things be, um, what feels freeing, that feeds kindness. Um so I thought it might be kind of nice to look at uh I, I kind of reframed it, I was gonna say, along these three um core aspects of practice: non-harming others, non-harming ourself, and um paying attention in a certain way. That's that's beneficial. So, first let me just say what what right action is, uh, uh sort of a little more of a classic definition, which uh uh has already been mentioned. Um but just to, to, to define it, it, it classically involves three, three things. And I want to say that I oftentimes don't use the word right for the Eightfold Path. I use the word beneficial or supportive or freeing. So pick whatever word seems to resonate for you. Um, Oftentimes our mind will get caught up on certain words. So I'm I'm not attached to it. Um, But if it's, you know, a supportive or a beneficial action. So the three definitions are non-killing, right? And this includes not physically injuring others, and it applies to all living beings. Okay. And uh, there's an explanation how the original Pali word includes non-injury, not just non-killing. And then there's non-stealing, or not taking that which isn't freely given. And that includes um, not taking material things, but also not taking time or knowledge. Um, and um yeah. And then sexual misconduct, refraining from sexual misconduct, includes avoiding sexual activities that are harmful to others. It includes not being harmful to our partner or partners. And it includes um, being respectful of commitments that we and others have made um, in the in the choices we make. So I also thought it would be nice to mention kind of how I think about, if these are sort of precepty, right, they're sort of precepts, right action guidelines, I want to mention how I think of precepts. I don't think of them, and I don't think they were intended to be like a list on the wall that we measure ourselves against, right? You know, one more thing to check off. Oh, I did that. I did my non-harming of others today, you know, in the next thing. But oftentimes in Western culture, especially, but in, in, in lots of um, spiritual traditions, there is this list. This is what you should do and shouldn't do. And if you don't do this, you're in trouble. And if you do this, you're okay. And I really don't think that that's what the precepts are. I really think that um, that, at least in my experience, can, not always, but can lead to an increase in self-judgment. It can lead to just one more thing that we feel we don't measure up to. And um, in my experience, it, it didn't seem so helpful to have another list. Um, I think when I first encountered them, I was also reactive to to uh, lists from spiritual traditions. but. Um, an early teacher of mine mentioned um, that a, a definition that really holds true for me, it's something to hold as an aspiration or as an intention, and to keep in mind as we stay tuned to our present moment experience, as we move through the world. And that over time, the precepts arise naturally from our practice. And, and the, the way I can uh, reflect on this is sometimes I can see doing things. Uh, like uh, swatting a mosquito or um, putting a spider outside when it's really cold. And when I finish a retreat, that action is so far removed from what I'm capable of doing, just not something I can do. And it's not because I chose to do it differently. It's because when the heart and the mind settle, there's something about kindness and non-harming that just seems like that's just natural. And uh, as I said before, the more we practice non-harming, self and others, the more mindfulness develops. And the more we practice mindfulness, the more non-harming can arise. Um, and the precepts become a natural extension of practice. They arise from within. But I think it's also useful. It's sort of a mutually beneficial relationship. We can think about these things and try to figure out ways that feel like uh, uh, we're in alignment with this idea if we value it. Um, And that feeds our practice, and we can practice sitting and practicing mindfulness or any kind of mindfulness, and that feeds the inclination towards kindness. Um, And I'll talk in in a little bit about um, the idea of the precepts as a felt sense. Like, I just feel inside, this is what's right. Um, And it arises can arise naturally within, or we can tune into it. And we'll do a little, a little exercise about that. So the benefits and pitfalls of practicing for ourselves and practicing for others, something I'm going to just talk about briefly. So non-harming others, um, there's lots of benefits. It increases safety, right? It increases connection. It increases, uh, the feeling of protection. Um, you're giving people the freedom to unfold in a way that supports their well-being. And it also feels good to us when we're kind to others and we tune into it. It's wholesome to us. We feel it. Right? When done freely and openly, when we're actually kind or generous uh, because our heart's open, not because we feel an obligation, it actually feeds our own freedom. Um, it supports our own awakening. And it's a kindness to ourselves in that way. Um, it can also diminish the sense of self that causes suffering. I think there's aspects of self that are important to have and then there's preoccupations that when we look closely we, we're stuck and we're, we're contracted and there's some suffering there and it can help loosen those. I remember one of my first lessons on generosity uh, a, a teacher of mine said when you're feeling contracted and selfish Give something to somebody else. I think his analogy was to give a sandwich to, to uh, somebody who is, uh, who is hungry, right? And open to receiving the sandwich. He said, in the moment that you're giving it, right? Like literally, pay attention to the moment when your outstretched hand and their outstretched hand touch each other, right? Try to feel selfish and self-occupied, preoccupied. And, and his, his belief was that you can't do both like it just, generosity when done from the heart doesn't leave any room for a contracted sense of self, which I thought was a beautiful lesson. I've thought about that a lot over the last 25 years. I mean, there's also a ripple effect, a benefit of non-harming others. You help them in many ways um, through your kindness, and they, in turn, has a, a ripple effect on how they are in their life. Some of the pitfalls can be uh, attributed to when we are kind in a way that we're striving to do good, to be right, even to 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 um, uh, be motivated by guilt or shame,
7: right?
3: Um, and we can become preoccupied, right, with ourselves as giving kind, uh, non-harming people. Um, we can get preoccupied with how we treat others um, in terms of a way of relieving feelings of guilt, or even in terms of how we're seen, even in terms of wanting to be a good Buddhist, right? Like, we can get preoccupied, am I being a good Buddhist? It's very common for us to ask this question. And sometimes, being kind towards others, um, I don't know that it's ever um, unhelpful along the path, but if our motivation is to, to be seen a certain way, it can come with a cost to our own suffering, and it can fuel the, the sense of self, That the preoccupation with sense of self that isn't so helpful. Um, and the thought occurred to me that maybe why some cultures say that the highest form of generosity or giving is anonymous giving, where the recipient doesn't even know that you have done something for them, right? So that's an interesting way to take out the I want the credit part of it. You know, think about that, right? What if no one knew I was doing this? Would I still do it? Yeah. Um, and because something like, according to the research, 76% of Westerners, it was a U.S. study, 76% of Westerners find it easier to be kind to others than to be kind to ourselves. Practicing non-harming of others, if we do it exclusively, can lead to a neglect of caring for ourselves right? in a tender and a genuine way, which is an important part of practice. So there are some thoughts about the benefits and pitfalls of being kind and non-harming to others, and now let's talk about non-harm to ourselves. Some of the pitfalls are that we confuse self-kindness with self-indulgence, right? the difference between, oh, I really need a break, I'm just going to take some time to myself, Versus, I'm gonna um, eat seventeen pints of Ben and Jerry's because I don't feel good and I know that'll that'll help me feel better. That might be self-indulgent, um, and it can foster this preoccupation with ourselves that does, when we look closely, really lead to discontent. Um, we also can experience feelings like uh, uh, the fear that I'm being too selfish. I shouldn't. Many of us are conditioned to not. Um, value kindness to ourselves or to see it even as a negative, you know, and we're conditioned uh, through uh, how we're brought up, through our jobs, to think that our job is to care for others and that the idea of caring for ourselves is either selfish or foreign or not necessary. Um, I do a lot of work in the realm of of self-kindness and self-compassion, so I I know this area well. Uh, I teach a lot of it and I practice it a lot out of necessity. And I believe there are tremendous benefits to, um, being kind to ourselves. Um, I think it's an essential part of practice. I think that, uh, in the metta teachings, the, the, uh, and I'll paraphrase it, but you could search the whole world over for someone and you won't find anyone more worthy of kindness than yourself, right? So it's not that you're more than. But you're not less than, you're equal to, you deserve your own kindness, your own care, as much as, 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 as anybody. But it's hard to do for many of us, especially depending on our cultural background, our identities, how we were raised. Um, and so be kind to yourselves about the fact that it may be hard to be kind to yourselves, right? It's a long, slow process for many of us. But it can feel good. Um, it allows for a certain kind of safety. And self-reliance that supports practice. And it also supports our kindness towards other beings. Um, when we're kind towards ourselves in a genuine way, we actually offer ourselves something that we need, we're kinder towards others. Um, and it happens naturally. Um, oftentimes in the self-compassion classes that I teach, people said. I felt so selfish taking this class and people around me are saying that I'm nicer to them and I'm not trying to be I'm just trying to be nice to myself and I, I tell them I know that feeling um, looking at my notes here deciding what I want to say here um, cultivating a compassionate um, and caring attitude towards ourselves right but not a preoccupation with ourselves seeing ourselves as valuable and worthy simply because we're human beings simply because we exist and we are our own best caretaker when we when we learn to do so it, it it deepens our our enjoyment deepens our joy settles our mind and our hearts and increases our appreciation of others and it also makes it, as I said before, more natural the way that we express that towards others. Um, I will say it's interesting this morning in Gil's talk where he talked about kindness towards others, kindness towards the self, and he posed the question, "Which comes first? Right? And then he said, "There is no answer. It's like the chicken and the egg." Right? And so we start with whatever feels natural to us. And um, something he didn't say, but that that, that I, I I think is that. Each really leads to the other, right? As long as we try to be balanced about it, either way. And for some of us, doing both together feels natural. So that's one way of looking at it. Um, so why do we do all this, right? One way we think about how we why we do all this is because we want to be free. We want to end our own suffering. And one thing I point out often, and I'll do it now, is especially if any of you are questioning whether you really have that much self-kindness. You've already done a lot of kind things for yourself today. You do it every day. okay you showed up today. did anybody come to the class hoping to leave, feeling worse, feeling less free, feeling less connected right? You came because you care about yourself and you want yourself to be okay, right? We practice oftentimes because we experience difficulty and we don't want to. We want to learn some way and the things we were doing before didn't seem to be Helping us to feel free in the way we wanted. So we find our way to practice. So you, we all have that in us, different degrees, and we feel it differently. But I believe very inherently that as mammals, we are conditioned to be kind to ourselves and others as a, as a survival tactic. And we can take that as a, adults, even when our, if our survival is not the thing in question and use that to cultivate a greater sense of well-being. And then finally, what I want to do is, I guess, point to this idea that, um, point to this idea that um, this doesn't have to just be something we read about and talk about and think about. It's something we can feel. So I want to invite us to do a little, um, sort of a guided reflection, um, and, and uh, then we'll have the opportunity to go into um, uh, small discussion groups and share whatever we'd like about it. Um, So come into kind of a reflection mindset. You know, just settle yourself, whatever that means. For you, it might mean my eyes open or eyes closed or looking out the window and just kind of feel into yourself here. And then just think of a time and don't make it the worst thing you think you ever did. But sometime when you weren't that nice to somebody or something, maybe, you know, you didn't walk the dog for a week because you were feeling lazy and you didn't care about the dog, You know, or you just said something unkind to somebody or you ignored somebody who you knew needed help that you could help, but you just didn't want to take the time. So just picture the scenario and don't make it like the most extreme thing, really. Just pick something that, you know, it doesn't feel good, but it's not that big of a deal. Just think about it for a second. then notice, as you're thinking about it, shift your awareness into your body or your mind or your heart. How does it feel? What do you notice? Does it feel settled or a little bit active? Is there spaciousness or contraction? Maybe there's parts of your body you feel it in. Or maybe just it's a general sense. Okay, and then let that go. And kind of just let it kind of fall away. And then sometimes when you're shifting gears if you rock back side to side it sort of like washes away the the first thing and so if, if you feel like you want to move past that thought just you're welcome to try that if it's helpful. And now come back to reflection mode and think about a time when you did something kind for somebody else. Again it doesn't have to be a big thing. It might be but sometimes you extended yourself to some other human being or to some other living being with just kindness Just your motivation was just to be kind or to help and picture the scenario a little bit and then come inwards What do you notice about your own inner experience after calling that to mind? More or less settled. More or less tension. Contracted or spacious. Heavy in the mind or light in the mind you will pull down or lift it up. And just kind of get a general sense of that in the body. Maybe a particular place, maybe just in a broad way. And then letting that go, but knowing you can pull that up anytime you want and kind of... Letting that that one go, and we'll do one more. I'm going to skip the, in the name of time. Uh, if I had to skip one, I'll skip the one where we picture a time when we weren't nice to ourselves. Okay, we all know that doesn't feel good, and I'm guessing most of us know. Can think of a situation. So, but instead, settle back in. And think of a time when you did something you knew was good for you. Like not, It didn't take like a push and a forcing unless you were in an unsafe situation and it was a courageous act of self-compassion, what we call um, fierce self-compassion, okay? getting yourself out of harm's way. But it could also just be like, I needed a break and I took a break or I needed to go sit in a busy day and I just did it. Or I let myself off the hook for something that I didn't need to beat myself up about. I just said, you know what, that's fine. Maybe it was just allowing yourself to be imperfect, which is the state of human beings. We're imperfect. We are. The way to be perfect is to not be human. We're imperfect. Maybe it was just letting yourself off the hook or not giving yourself a hard time. And if you're having a hard time imagining a time when you were kind to yourself, think of a time when you were just a little less hard on yourself. And it felt kind of good not to be so hard on yourself. So think of a situation. Picture it lightly, and then come into the body and notice what you notice there. A heaviness of the mind or a lightness. A hardness or a tenderness. Maybe a little of both. Some of us, it can can be emotional to think about being kind to ourselves. It goes against some some cultural trainings we have. Just get a sense of that feeling. Of being kind, even if the recipient is yourself. So part of the reason to, to do this is because I think one way of practicing with this is to increase our awareness of how it feels in our bodies, somatically is the word we use, how it feels somatically or the embodied feeling of these actions as a way, and tuning in when we're doing them, right, as a way of increasing the, um, mutual support that awareness of our present moment has on our actions and that our actions have on how we feel in the present moment. And so we're going to do breakout rooms. Um, did I remember to say how many? Liz? Uh, you're muted. Sorry. Yeah, no
5: need to. I've figured right. that out. I think we Great. want three people Great. per room,
3: correct? Yeah, and there may be some that have more or less. And so um, get, we're going to do this for about 10 minutes. And time yourselves, but each person have you know two and a half to three minutes to just share anything that came up for them while they were doing that, anything you noticed. Um and if you don't care to share anything about that, you can also just reflect on this idea of um right action as uh something supported by kindness to others and kindness to ourselves, and this idea of um just anything that comes up really uh in regard to that, just as a way of feeling into those those ideas and to to the feelings that arise uh, in the body in the mind in the heart because um, side note is that the the mind actually doesn't know that you're not really doing those things again when you imagine them they actually the same biochemical things can happen in your mind and in your heart and your body so even though we you know, kind of fabricated that it's very similar to what you would notice if you had stopped in the middle of that activity in real life in real time and come into your body for a moment so any questions about that before we shift into breakout rooms or anything either liz or tanya would like to add might be supportive
5: I um, just want to encourage everyone to stay and participate in the breakout rooms because this is a great opportunity to practice non-harming to yourself and safety in the sense that you get to decide what feels comfortable for you to share and how much or how little. So please participate. If you don't wish to, you could log out for about 10 minutes and log back in. But um, please do stay and I'll send you to the breakout rooms right about now. Liz? Yes.
1: Do you want to ask people to sign out before you send people to the breakout rooms, if they're not going to stay for them? Well,
5: I noticed several people already did. So. Okay. I think okay. We're at our right number. But, uh, let me just hang on a second. And there may me. be
3: a minute of rearranging if the people in there your is. room, if one disappears and one comes back in, that's okay. And it's also fine if you just want to listen, let your group mates know. I, I, I feel kind of closed and full. Or I just, I just want to listen. Um, so just listen with an open heart. Your presence will be valuable that, that way too.
5: Hang on with me. This is just going to take a minute. There are lots of
7: people.
3: <laughs> you... Oh, somebody asked to repeat the prompt uh, for the breakout room. So it won't, it doesn't often come in in the breakout room. So basically, just each person take a few minutes to share anything that they care to share about that reflection practice, right? You know, what what they noticed about um, when they were thinking about time when they were kind or uh, did something unkind towards others or towards themselves. One
5: more minute and then I'll have everything.
3: So, ask again if that's not clear. Um, please don't. I want to make sure people know it, it's pretty open-ended.
5: Okay, I am ready to send people. Okay.
3: So, welcome back, everybody. We have a couple of minutes, and uh, it might be nice uh, to hear in the larger group. Um, some people express what they noticed or experienced, and uh, maybe to start with, um, if there's people who generally um, don't like to fight their way to talk in a crowd, um, you can just unmute and speak. So if you have something to share and uh, you want to know that there's space for you to speak, um, there's space for you to speak. So uh, there's two screens. I can't monitor it. So just unmute and say something. What was that like? What you notice?
2: I had a feeling of safety from just talking to other people in a safe space right now after Mm -hmm. everything that happened this week. It was, Mm -hmm. since I live alone, it was a good thing to feel safety with a few people. Nice.
3: Thanks, Lynn. That is really nice.
2: Yeah, hi, it's Barry. Um I, I could remember how it felt, but I couldn't actually feel it during the reflection because it, it just, I'm not settled enough to, and not, I, I'm, it's a hard time for me to be in touch with feelings in my body. I, I, I spent the whole time trying to remember which incident I wanted to think about. So, um, but I, I know from memory it does not feel good to be cruel and it feels good to be kind so
3: that's very that's great and I think it's great that you also are attuned that it's not a good time to go in there like all the instructions should be modified to suit what seems supportive it sounds like that's the the, the right supportive thing for yourself um, and I think that the the remembering can be just as strong as the feeling into it and in some some cases can be a wiser way to reflect so thanks for sharing and I'm glad that you did you, you, you did discern, you know, that, that you can remember what that's like and that that was informative.
4: Hi, uh, this is Skyler. Um, one thing I, I really liked about when you were going through the, the kind of the guided reflection was um, the idea
3: of like wiggling, moving your body to kind of wipe away, you know, like the whiteboard. Um, I've, I felt it made it easier to center my mind back to, a, you know, a blank state and then prepare for the next, you know, journey and work. Great. Thanks.
6: Are we not...
5: Go one
3: of... Go ahead, Javier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
6: what, one of the things that I... Good to see you. Uh, one of the things that I experienced was and the reflection about like being unkind was that I felt that the amount of space that I had to breathe inside was limited, mm-hmm. it was like short and like a suppressed. But when I was kind, it was a bigger space and lighter. So that, that felt, felt good. Great. It's great yeah, yeah, it's noticing. Good to be able to. Yeah, it, it was good to feel, be able to be in touch with the bodily sensation in the reflection. Thank you. Okay. Thank you.
3: So I think um, it's time for a break. I really appreciate people sharing, um, but we also should care for ourselves in other ways. So we have—is it ten minutes, Tanya? yeah so take care of your body or whatever else you need and um did you say something about the chat opening up for this? chat
5: part? is open yeah. now, Great. so anyone yeah. who wants to for the next ten minutes can chat with one another.
3: Great
1: we're it's time to kind of move forward, so welcome back from your break. I hope everybody is taking good care of themselves, yeah and um yeah, I thought I'd I'd sort of continue um this conversation and share first I'll share a story um, about the time that I I I had gone to a retreat at Insight Retreat Center. It was one of the first retreats, earlier retreats that were happening there and um after the retreat, I was so struck by how I felt. Um, I I actually, you know, what I said to myself was, and, and I went up to Gil and I said this to him, I said, I, I have never felt this safe ever before in my life. And... Um, it was, uh it was a, c- kind of a profound, a profound experience. And at the time, um, really, I wasn't thinking very much about kind of what, what happened or what were the conditions that created this uh, feeling of safety for me. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But I'll share first the surprising response that I got from Gil, which has actually been a very um, very helpful teaching over all these years. And his response that was for me that um, until I felt safe, you know, pretty much all the time, however that would happen, that I could make it a practice to offer safety to others. And actually, it was a really, uh, really profound teaching for me um, to really think about, like, there were so many times and places at work or in life where I would find myself feeling anxious or not comfortable. And, and instead of kind of focusing on that, I actually would think about, oh, what can I do in this situation to offer safety to others? no matter what, what I'm feeling. And um, it, it's been a very, very helpful, helpful guide for me. As I rethink about this um, story, and I think about how I was fel- feeling at the moment, I really, I just was like, I didn't really understand why I felt so safe. You know, it was like, I'd been on other retreats, you know, it was just like, just, it just, was infused and probably cause I'd never really felt that way before. It was such a s- striking experience for me. And now as I think back about it, you know, I think about, you know, the, when you go on retreat, you take these five precepts, three of the right action precepts are part of them. You know, one is to not kill any living beings. Um, one is to, uh, uh, not take what's not offered. So in a retreat environment, that means that, you know, if somebody leaves something out and around, you just leave it there. You don't pick it up. You don't need to do anything with it. You just, you can leave it there and pretty much you're guaranteed that if you realize that you've misplaced something, if you tra- backtrack, you'll find, you'll find it, right? And then, you know, or it'll get turned into one of the retreat managers and they'll leave you a note. So that's, you know, it's kind of remarkable, actually, if you're on retreat and you see somebody's wallet or, you know, something, their jacket, whatever it is, sitting might stay in the same place for several days, right, which is not common in this life. Um, I think the other part, right, that in when you're on retreat, there's this something called noble silence, so... There's no like conversation that um, comments that are made. You're not standing in line and, you know, people don't ask you questions. Um, there are times that people speak, but they're very clearly demarked. There are times when you can ask questions of a teacher um, or maybe if you're doing your yogi job, but in general, there's nobody talking to you. And so there's nothing you know, you just sort of get to kind of glide into the space and not, you know, sometimes it's like when people ask you questions when you're out and about, it can be quite nice, but also can be sort of surprising and you know, can make you feel a little bit like, oh, oh what am I supposed to say? Or um, I don't know how to respond to that. And there's just none of that. Right. So it's a whole different experience where there's just nothing being expected of you. Right. There's nothing you need to say to be clever. There's nothing you need to do to entertain people, right? And then obviously, the lack of, you know, sort of um, sexual expression, right, where people are really being mindful about how they're, you know, expressing and and communicating is another thing that, um, while there might be times that some of us like to be approached or like to know that we are attractive to somebody, Um, It's actually kind of just so nice to have that not even be part of the picture, right? In a period where you're just you're just relating as human beings, there's no no other kind of expectations or invitations, right? It's just it's just so serene, really. And then the last part of a retreat setting is not intoxicating the mind, so nobody's drinking and using substances. So as I think about that, it just becomes so clear to me that, you know, this is a huge part of why I would, I was in a condition, there were conditions set, right, that allowed things to rest inside of me, that allowed things that were maybe worried in other times and settings, you know, that that didn't get activated, they got to kind of close their eyes and go to sleep, right, just rest, you know, I didn't have to be kind of, guarded, right? Um, There are other things also that I think make a difference. Things like um, when people are on retreat, they tend to be very careful about opening and closing doors. So it's rare, it happens, but it's rare that a door will be slammed, like let go of and shut loudly or pushed loudly, which is another thing. Like when there's these abrupt, intense sounds in your environment, that can activate just sort of your parasympathetic nervous system and kind of create a startle response. And just, you know, there was very little of that. Um, you don't touch other people and you're not being touched again, which can be a kind thing, but it also can be surprising or it can, um, you know, sort of not feel that comfortable depending the other things that I think about are that, you know, it's amazing, like when you go to get food, you all stand in this meal line, and nobody is trying to get to the front of the line. Nobody's trying to be first. In fact, they're much more likely, if like you're approaching two at a time, you know, kind of coming to, much more likely that the person that is there with you will stop and let you go, right? Right? It's just this very different feel from the normal world, right? Yeah, so there's this um, kind of awareness and patience that's that really makes a difference. You're standing in line, you're getting your food, and nobody's crowding you, right, to get to the next bowl. It's like just waiting, just waiting for you to finish, right? Even... Even the act of washing one's hands, which is what common practice before you go to serve yourself, right, is a, another way that there's this sense of thoughtfulness and safety that is being offered and, um, received. So these are all kind of, they, they, they create an environment and over time with repeated exposure, our nervous systems can really start to relax and make feelings like a feeling of safety become possible. I'd never felt so safe in my life before that retreat. Never in my whole life. Right. Then I did. And so this is like causes and conditions and, and retreat practice can be a really wonderful place to, Start to experience more safety and, you know, let your nervous system relax m- more than it would in normal life. Yeah. And in, in the Buddha's teaching, right, he, he, um, he, in his words, right, from the Pali canon, you know, he talks about these three practices that are right effort. And he says, Counting, protecting countless beings, here, a noble disciple, having abandoned the destruction of life, abstains from the destruction of life, and by abstaining from the destruction of life, the noble disciple gives to an immeasurable number of beings freedom from fear and and affliction. He himself in turn enjoys immeasurable freedom from fear, enmity, and affliction. This is the first great gift, a great gift. And he repeats the same phrase after each of these three, that that each of these, by offering, by offering this practice, we give an immeasurable number of beings, freedom from fear, enmity, and affliction. It's a p- profound statement. Gil phrases it a little different, a little more current language. His, he says, this path is meant to free people from the causes and conditions where we cause harm. Path is meant to free people from the causes and conditions where we cause harm. Which reminds me that that's another huge part of what was happening for me on my retreat, right? I, by, re, by, by practicing these guidelines, right? By giving to others these practices, I was also being freed from, you know, I was contributing to the rising of the safety that arose in me, right? Yeah. So in order, to, this is continued quote from Gill, in order to live a life which is harmless, the Buddha, Buddha offered this path of practice. We no longer cause harm for ourselves and we no longer cause or intend harm to others around us. And I want to take a moment um, to add sort of another important consideration and you know when we're in our life and our daily lives and our work lives it's it's not so easy or clear you know all the things that we might be doing or not doing that could be affecting others that it's on retreat. It's sort of a more contained environment. And it's, you know, all the things that, you know, we've been talking about are either, well, the, the obviously not killing is something we can do. And, um, you know, not, not practicing wrong sexuality and, you know, not, not taking things that aren't offered. But in life, sometimes taking things that aren't offered, They might, you know, it might be an idea that somebody gave and shared and you don't even remember who it was or you do, but you thought, oh, it was a free for all. We were all kind of sharing ideas together and then you take that idea and you build it into something that you're, you're working on and you present it. And maybe you took an idea that, that wasn't freely offered, right? Or maybe, maybe in a meeting, you know, you, people are brainstorming or there's a question asked. And maybe you think you're being really helpful and you speak up because you want, you really want to be helpful. And you share an idea or a suggestion. And in my experience, actually, sometimes... um, Sometimes maybe we speak up too quickly and we don't give other people an opportunity to speak up who don't necessarily feel as safe or comfortable. Sometimes not speaking up is more helpful because it creates more space. Or sometimes we suggest an idea that we really want and are trying to, to offer sincerely to be helpful, but because of the the people or some of the people in the room, it it isn't a safe or supportive thing for them to hear. So I think it can be a little tricky in life. And it gets more and more tricky when we're dealing with people who live different lives than ourselves people who have grown up in different ways than ourselves that have a really had a really different experience in this world. So I just want to kind of name one, one there's a lot of ways to start to think about these precepts to, to kind of grow our awareness, to grow our ability to provide more people, a sense of safety, right? And, I'll just offer an example. Common Ground Meditation Center, um, they, some years ago, um, 2016, they did like this brainstorm um, and worked on the five precepts and they coupled it with anti racism. So they wanted to look at like the precepts through the lens of anti racism. So what else would you add to the precepts? If you were thinking about kind of an anti-racist perspective, and so I just thought I'd read a couple of these things. These are posted on the on their website. Um, so undertaking the training to refrain from harming any li- living beings, right? Some of the things that they uh, they came up with as a group. There were I guess twenty people there. Is They wrote, we have consumer power and can choose where and what we purchase. We can educate ourselves about racial equity policies and stores we support. We can examine our own racist thoughts, words, and actions. We can look even deeper and examine the why motivating these thoughts. We can remember that our at our deepest core, the awakened heart is not a racist heart. We can practice not harming ourselves, and we can watch for self judgment, and can um, which can lead to judging others. So, for just that one precept, these were the additional reflections that they brought forward, and there are actually a number of different um, versions of the precepts. Um, that you can find like Tignot Han from Plum Village has a version of the, the five precepts. Um, I think it can be a beautiful practice to actually sit down and work on writing your own version of the five precepts and sort of expanding um, how you wanna what lens you wanna look at them from. Another thing that I wanted to kind of acknowledge, um, oh, look at me, I'm over time. So I'm going to skip this. Let me go. Okay. So let me just sort of talk a little bit more about safety and just drop in some, I'm going to get us ready for breakout groups here. So I want you to just think about, I'm going to, Just reflection practice, you know, what are your beliefs about safety? So one question is, do you believe you deserve to feel safe? Just notice, yes, no, maybe, I don't know. Another question is, is it feel safe to feel safe? What about, do you tend to believe that others deserve to feel safe? Is that equally important? Not quite as important, more important? Is, in your view, is safety a right or an expectation? Is safety something that you create? Or is it something that's offered? Maybe safety for you is, you can think about it as a gift. Or maybe you think about it as something that is earned. Another, you know, kind of going back to my original story, I want you to think about the difference between what it feels like for you what it feels like when you offer safety to someone else. So, you know, that can happen because when you approach a stop, stop uh, crosswalk, you see people ready to walk and you can like you can take your car right up to the edge and kind of not slow down until you're right there and stop quickly. Or you can actually stop back further, slow down s- sooner. Right. Which is an act of offering safety really letting the pedestrians take their time, not rushing to go as soon as they get just far enough out of, out of the way of your car, right? But, but holding back. And that, what does it feel like when you do something like that? That's an act of offering safety. Just see if you can remember what that feels like. And as you remember, notice what you feel in your body,
7: And then take a deep
1: breath in, and with that next exhale, sort of let go of that reflection. And then I want to think about, invite you to think about the feeling of trying to get safety, where you're trying to feel safe, where you're trying to make yourself feel safe. If you can just imagine an experience of doing that. And what that, as you remember that, you know, what, what do you notice in your body? And, you know, notice, like, if you're very aware of people around you when you're trying to get safety. And if so, if it's like trying to hold people at bay, right? Versus the feeling of generosity of the offering. And this is not to say that we shouldn't try and make ourselves safe. Just to reflect on how different it can feel, right, when we're trying to create that. Yeah. Just again, reflecting on the difference between the feeling of offering safety, between the feeling of wanting or trying to create safety for ourselves. Both are important. All right, so now I'm going to kind of discuss a little bit about what I'd like you to do in breakout rooms. And um, I'm going to sort of do a brief introduction and then I'm going to invite people to please stay and please participate if they feel comfortable. But if you know you don't, if you know you aren't going to participate, it would be a kindness to all of us if you decided to leave Zoom sooner rather than later, and then just come back in 10 minutes or so, 15 minutes, the longest to be part of the the discussion afterwards. So in the breakout groups, there'll be ideally three people, but two is fine too. So three to two. And if there are two people, there'll be one speaker, and one person who I'll call a listener and an asker. If there are three people, there'll be one speaker, one listener asker, one listener who also is a timekeeper, and one person who I'll call an asker. They're going to ask repeatedly the same question. And so it'll be one person at a time. So if you're the speaker... You're gonna be asked the same question by the asker for three minutes. Same question. Doesn't need to be asked differently. You're gonna be asked this question and then you just, your job if you're speaking is just to kind of let yourself keep answering it. To notice what comes up, what feels different for you. Notice how the, the answer might evolve or change. It might surprise you what comes forward. And if you don't have anything new to say each time, it's totally fine to um, to go ahead and just say the same thing. And just notice your job is to really witness what's happening for you in this this exploration. It kind of can deepen deepen your connection to to the to what you're exploring. And then, so if there's that group of three, you've got the one who's speaking, the one who's asking, and then the third person is really the listener and the timekeeper to help keep track of time, right? Okay. So any questions about those three roles? You can just unmute if you have a question. So we're going to really be practicing the the kind of listening practices that we used in last class, right, where you're really noticing – As you're listening, what's happening, noticing any pressure to speak or to think about what you might say, you know, we're just bearing witness, offering our attention as the listener to the, to support the speaker and speaker, as you're speaking, be mindful of what's happening in your body, right? Really notice what's happening emotionally, physically, you might notice tensing or leaning forward or leaning back. All of these things are just to be noted. All right, so here's the question. Hopefully everybody's signed out by now that is leaving. So before I say the question, so Liz has chance to move everybody around she needs to, okay? So the question is, you, uh, questioner, you're going to say to the person who's going to answer, if you felt safer, you would, and then... Dot dot dot. That's it. You just hold the space. If you felt safer, you would. Dot dot dot. Okay? If you felt safer, you would. Actually, let's do this uh, for two minutes. And then question number two. So two minutes for if you felt safer. And then two minutes, the second question is, if you offered more safety to others, you would dot, 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 okay? So I'm going to actually right now copy these questions and put them in the chat for you right now, and you will need to um, take a picture of this or write it down because it won't be accessible to you once you go into the small breakout rooms.
2: This is two minutes per person, Tanya.
1: Two minutes per question. So four minutes per person, and there should be about 15 minutes in the breakout group. So you will each have four minutes and then a little bit of time between.
8: Okay.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Nancy. So, Person one will be in that role for four minutes and then everybody switches roles. Everybody should be in each role one time. Okay? And if there's only two of you, you'll have a little time afterwards to, to debrief a little bit. Okay? Alright, mm-hmm. any, anything else? Okay, Liz, go ahead.
5: Uh, the rooms are ready and, um, I will send you a two minute warning before you come back so that you have a chance to finish up. So I'm sending you to your rooms now.
1: Welcome back. I really hope that um, a couple of people will be willing to share a little bit about what, what they noticed as they did this repetitive um, exploration of kind of what, if you felt safer, you would, and and what would you do? And if you felt, you know, if you offered more safety, what, what, what would come up? What would happen? What, what, what arose for you and how was this process? Is anybody willing to unmute and, and share any uh, reflections? Alison Farr, you raised your hand, please unmute yourself.
8: Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you for that practice. That was such a wonderful exercise. And um, in the spirit of offering safety, Um, I think we could have used another minute or two. Unfortunately, our last person, I think, was a little bit rushed. I don't know if she was able to have the same experience. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, I was anxious initially and really felt myself settle in as I went through the questions and um, noticed that there was a lot about to the the first response uh to the responses to the first request question about settling in and slowing down and allowing space um and the second was a lot came up for me about understanding people and the world and feeling more connected um so that was really lovely
1: mm. thank you mm. thank you Allison and I'm so sorry that you didn't all have enough time. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Laura. I felt
0: like, oh, sorry.
1: That's okay. Uh, hold on, Jade, and Laura, I think you had your hand up. Would you like to share? Would you like to unmute and share?
0: Sure. Yeah, thank you. I'm I'm happy for Jade to go first too, if that's Yeah, well, okay, well, I'll do it. Um what I really appreciated was how different our responses were mm. and that was so eye opening um and that for 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 some of us it was about um like doing more and uh for or like going more out into the world and i i was really surprised that mine was just like i'd have more fun i'd be more relaxed i would like and i just kept feeling my body like kind of get jelly like oh I feel so good (laughs) and then I was humbled um by when it said like uh if you offer more safety to others and what really came out was I would I would ask less of them Mm. I would make more space and that was humbling I guess I wouldn't I just was like oh I'm gonna take that in so Mm. other things came up but that was really and a new insight. Beautiful. So thank you. It's a great practice.
1: Wonderful. Thank you, Laura. Now, Jade, did you want to go?
4: I guess I noticed that they fed each other, mm. that if I felt more safe, I would offer more safety to others. And if I offered more safety to others, I think I would feel more safe. And maybe that's more confidence so that I can relax or, I don't know, or feeling more value from what you offer to others, more belonging in a group of similarities, but it definitely found the answers started to be the same on the second side as they were on the first once I broke into that thought
5: process.
1: Beautiful. Thank you, Jane. Nancy, you have your hand up. Would you like to share?
5: Nancy
4: Bienville. Yes, I was. It, Laura Kramer and I were in a room together, and she popped out, um, and so I was in a room all by myself. I felt really safe. <laughs> 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 but what I did was I looked at myself, and I answered. Uh, I did some answers on paper, so. Um, hmm. it, But where I froze was if I offered safety to others, I would, I, I, and I have a lot of issues around safety and I kept thinking about trying to keep my daughters safe from their father and, you know, all this. And I think I... I learned a lot that, uh, trying to be safe or offering, offering safety has a lot of fear around it for me. So, uh, I am going to, um, take that into my meditation this week. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy.
1: And then, um, well, Jerry has his uh, hand up and, uh, Jerry, would you like to share?
6: Yeah, and I've learned as I get older that when my initial reaction is resistance, that I better be careful. (laughs) I almost thought of leaving, actually, (laughs) and it proved to be quite a dangerous exercise. After the first response, which I had rehearsed, it was all was all about the heart opening. Mm. I was shocked at what came out of me. (laughs) I was like, I mean, I knew it was sort of there. And it was like, oh, can I go back to the rehearse thing? And uh, whereas the person two or three speakers ago said everyone was different in our group, it seemed—I mean, I, I can't—I didn't memorize it all, but it seemed like a lot of it had to do with less contraction and more heartful, open, heartful living.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: That, that was really beautiful, which is, is, is dangerous in some wonderful way.
7: <laughs>
1: Thank you for your vulnerability and sharing that, Jerry. Thank you. So I'll just say that, um, you know, we can continue to take feedback, but we also can take other questions at this point too, or other comments um, from the full day or from, you know, just how this practice is influencing you. So just, just to let you know, we will be taking questions and, Talking until about three twenty eight and then we'll we'll move to um you know closing up. So I see Mara Maralina. Did I say it right?
7: No, but that's okay. Um uh-huh. well, how do you think say- Mary okay. Maria Maria Thank you. Um I noticed um In the second question of how I would offer more safety, I felt the the negative come up in me first. Like I wouldn't do this thing that's so bad that I do. And it really took me a moment to think, well, what, what is the opposite? Like if I'm not judging, well, how would I say that? I, and, and so it really was a nice reflection for me to take a little bit of time and to to reverse that automatic place that just would say, well, I wouldn't do this and I wouldn't do that. It, it, to think of what would I want to be creating? Ah, beautiful. Did you find an answer? Yeah. Yeah, there was. It just. I just noticed a little. A little more time was needed Mm. in my answer to the second one. Nice. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
2: Tanya, I don't have a way of raising my hand. Great, Nancy. Please (laughs) share. Um, I was hoping you could talk. Uh, about. Um, the current environment and right action mm-hmm. uh, dovetailing off of us coming off right speech. Mm-hmm. And what is right action? What is right speech in response to mm-hmm. you know unhelpful speech, dangerous speech, mm-hmm. um, violent action. What is the correct response? What is the right response? What's the most skillful response to that? I'm really struggling with it. It's you know what have you coming off of this week, it just seems like a good yeah. thing for us to talk about.
1: Yeah. What what has come up for you, Nancy? Um just the
2: divisiveness in uh, talking to lifelong friends, even mm-hmm. uh, neighbors. Um, uh, I have struggled with, if I should say anything, um, I have tried to say something very mindfully, um, and apparently did a fairly bad job because, uh, uh, a friend from childhood basically told me to fuck off. Um, but, uh, you know, it's all just very painful. Mm-hmm. Um, I try and do mostly listening, but in terms of action, I feel like I need to do something, but I don't know what to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I don't think that I can really give you your answer, but I can say to you, I'm so glad you're asking the question. And I'm so glad that you're being thoughtful and paying attention to choosing what you do and noticing the impact of what you're choosing to do. And um, that um, for me, one of the things that I'm doing is really more like in spaces like at work where I can actually, you know, work with this group of people and work to create support and safety, especially for the BIPOC people who have not, you know, this this new feeling from, you know, increased feeling of unsafety for me is nothing new for them. So being able to to really show up for other people who I see are, are suffering as part of what, what, you know, my work is and, and, and what I'm trying to do. So, you know, I encourage you and applaud you and hope you'll keep looking for, you know, ways that you can um, bring right action into the world more and more. Right. Sharon, I see your hand. Is that okay, Nancy? thank you um
4: i am very uh unaware of what this feeling of safety feels like so where how
5: um
2: mm-hmm.
4: where do i go to um feel feel safety wow or how do how do i create it
1: mhm mhm yeah i Ori, do you want to, or Liz, would you like to bring your voices in and respond to Sharon's, you know, very, very important question? I'm happy to offer something,
3: and I'm happy for you too, Tanya. It doesn't matter to me if you have an instinct.
1: I just, uh, I I definitely want to respond, but I, I, I've been responding for a while now, and and yeah,
5: so I I can offer a little bit, um, Sharon. I think we, we always have to start with just what we are feeling um, in the body and emotionally and, and be kind and compassionate towards that as much as possible. Because sometimes we're in the process of, as you say, not even knowing what safety would look like. So starting exactly from where we are right now, if I feel fear... I acknowledge that I feel fear. If I, if an action is kind of in the back of my mind that, that I think I should do, then I have an option to look at like, well, maybe right now it's not safe for me to speak. So I'll stay within myself until it is. So does that make some sense to you that start with what is going on with you and see if you can just allow that and allow what seems right to you in that moment of those feelings and, and sensations.
7: Okay. I can try that. Yes. Okay. Thank and you.
1: We need to move to close, but Sharon, um, are you familiar with the loving kindness practice? The yes.
4: I do loving kindness every day. So I'm
1: familiar with that. It's just a, a yeah. safe the word safety. I I don't know the feeling. Yep, you're not alone. Yeah,
3: yeah, and so, and it may be a different word. Like you know, the safety may be a different word. It may be relatively okay, or you know, a little more settled, right? The word safety may not be the the, the word that connects you to the thread that thought that that takes you there. It might be some other word. For me, sometimes it's just a little less not okay. Like when I'm really feeling <laughs> it. I know the feeling of being just a little more okay than I am now, even if I'm still not okay. Um, so, so yeah, and that connects also to what Liz said about starting where you are.
5: Yeah, um, so thank you so much for the question because I think you're probably not alone in this gathering of people who don't know that feeling or, or many of the feelings we've talked about, maybe unfamiliar, some of them. Um, so, Tanya, before I go to our dedication of merit, do you have any announcements?
1: Just um, blessings and thank you, Liz. Yeah. Okay,
5: good. So, uh, as we come to a close today, may you extend some appreciation to yourself for opening your mind and your heart to this idea. And the idea of non-harming, Small ways and large ways that we can be more compassionate to ourselves and more kind to ourselves will show and will extend out to others around us. Or if it's easier to start with them and we're kind and compassionate for others, we may be able to feel then how they are kind and compassionate back because they can trust us. So may all beings be safe, everyone in this room, and everyone whose life is touched by someone in this Zoom. May we all come to peace and full liberation. Be well. Thank you all.
3: Feel free to unmute and say goodbye if you wish.
2: Yeah thank you thank you Bye. thank you Bye. 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 thank you
7: thank you